Eyes on Whiteness is a podcast that illuminates the insidious and ignorant ways of whiteness, regardless of intent. Our guests are invited to practice the work of transmuting white supremacy and patriarchy, as these constructs are pervasive and ever-present for all of us. I'm Deidre Barber Vasquez, Black and Puerto Rican, lesbian, New York Californian, living in the Southwest, mother to dog child Onyx, cis woman. I am my own, I am my mother's, I am Earth's, I am you. And I'm Maureen Benson, a white, straight, cisgender woman living in Oakland, California, doing my best to be a principled accomplice for racial justice in these apocalyptic times. I also hella love my dogs, Wagyu, and Philly. In season two, we're excited to share with you a series of incredible conversations with extraordinary guests that we invite to engage the question, what does it look like to be an intersectional integrity? We want to thank our brilliant and kind producer, Aaron Rand Freeman. And don't forget, if you'd like to support us, we do appreciate it. You can find us on Patreon, Eyes on Whiteness, and you can rate and leave a review anywhere you're listening to the podcast. Welcome to the show. Amara Tabor Smith, she, her, they, we, is a Black queer woman born and raised in unceded Ramatush Ohlone land currently known as San Francisco, and now lives in unceded Huchin Lishan Ohlone land, currently known as Oakland, California. She is a choreographer, performance maker, and cultural worker who describes her work as conjure art. Her interdisciplinary, site-responsive, performance-making practice utilizes Yoruba Ifa and Lukumi spiritual technologies to address issues of social and environmental justice, racism, gender identity, and belonging. Her work is rooted in Black, queer, feminist principles that insist on liberation, joy, and well-being in the Afro now. Amara seeks to create performance experiences where audience and performers converge to experience mutual vulnerability and transformation. She is the artistic director of Deep Waters Dance Theater. Her current multi-year project, Houseful of Black Women, created in collaboration with Ellen Sebastian Chang and a collective of Black women artists and activists, addresses the displacement, well-being, and sex trafficking of Black women and girls in Oakland. She is a 2021 Rainin Fellow, a 2019 Dance USA Fellow, 2018 United States Artist Fellow, 2018 recipient of KQED's Bay Brilliant Award, and a 2017 Urban Bushwoman Choreographic Center Fellow. Amara is currently an artist in residence at Stanford University. Woo! <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> Say what? And you came to talk with us? Yes. Yes, I did. I, yes, yes. <laughs> okay, so before we jump in, I want to say I asked for permission from Amar for this full disclosure. Amar and I are partners, partners in that, you know, she identifies as queer, I identify as lesbian. So in there is where the partnership meets. Uh, so <laughs> there, you, there you have it. So just full disclosure. 
<laughs> I, I want to say something about there's something here I read where it says Amara seeks to create performance experiences where audience and performers converge to experience mutual vulnerability and transformation. I wanted to say that I have been to enough of your performances that, um, yes, that, that I understand that you're seeking to. I would say you have uh, accomplished <laughs> that Amara that Amara creates performance experiences where audience and performers converge to experience mutual vulnerability and transformation. Um, so I'm super uh, interested to see how there's like a connection with that, with with the work that uh, Maureen and I talk about in terms of intersectional integrity, because it's the same, we just use different language, you know? And the reason why I say seek is for that very reason, is like I don't make any assumptions about the experiences that people have because they really do... Um, you know, they, they really do cross the spectrum. I, you know, ultimately people are going to have the experience that they need to have and whether they identify that as transformative or whether they actually tap into vulnerability. Some people really shut down, um, which I have also experienced. And I think, you know, I loved, you know, I remember when you were telling me about the question of, you know, intersectional integrity, and I was like, oh, let me make sure I understand even what you mean by that. And, you know, ultimately, I think it really comes down, you know, the essence of, of that for me, in order for me to be in intersectional integrity is to be you know, taking self inventory all the time, like without let up, which um, as an idea feels really daunting. But when I don't do it, you know, uh, shit can run amok. You know, basically, it's like, my internalized, the ways that I uphold white supremacy on any given day, which I'm going to do, whether consciously or unconsciously, the way that internalized racial inferiority, you know, plays out in me and can wreak havoc in even the smallest ways. And I feel like it's the small ways that can be you know, accumulative and even more detrimental than the big outburst, you know, um, and because so much stuff g gone unchecked can, you know, root itself deeper. So yeah, I mean, that's how I feel about it. It has to start it. Everything starts and ends with how I am taking self inventory on any given day. I really appreciate that you start in the eye. <laughs> that in and of itself feels to me like an act of transmuting white supremacy and patriarchy, that there is often that pull to go out. But it's really beautiful to hear you talk about the self-inventory. What does that look like for you? Well, um, it, you know, so I'm a very spiritual person, so it really starts in the prayer to even just, uh, you know, that I'm always praying that I am walking in alignment with my highest purpose and highest good. And that is not only that I 
am moving in that way and that I'm, you know, that I'm taking self inventory, but that I'm also being, um, that I am learning how to be, uh, forgiving and compassionate to myself when I trip up, um, because I always do when I fail at it. Um, and yeah, you know, um, it means always starting in the eye because I feel like part of, you know, uh, dismantling internalized patriarchy, white supremacy, you know, all of that, um, requires that, uh, in order for me to think collectively, I have to first also heal from, you know, the hyper individualistic, uh, nature of our, um, our socialization. So, I'm, I'm socialized as an individual. Don't matter that I'm like, yes, my community, we are all one. But if I'm not really checking in with, you know, um, you know, how am I doing? And also, you know, how am I, how am I taking care of myself? Like my self care is my community care, you know? So it's recognizing that and, uh, self-care because that is a term that can often be seen as overly selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to see it as selfful that it's like, if I'm really, you know, taking, you know, if I'm really taking care of myself, then I am better equipped to show up in care, you know, in, and be, and be in care of others that are in my community, in care of the we, uh, because I'm fully participating. Otherwise, you know, if I'm coming, you know, watching our sort of social justice movements, really, you know, um, in all of their, like all of the beautiful work that's done, and how I see folks inside of these movements, inside of the organizations, be self-harming, and that that in that actually ends up harming other people. Because if you're not, if you're self-harming, you will harm others. Period. End of story. This idea of like, oh, I'm gonna abuse myself, but I'm gonna take care of the world. Within that, the, the quality, if nothing else, the quality of that care is, um, is tainted, you know, um, it, and so, and I, and I really feel like that's a piece that we really, you know, in, in, in sort of the fast pace of capitalism that says, get it done, get it done, get it done, you know, then we, there is no time and space for self-care It's mm-hmm. you know, it's objective driven, but the quality of it is still upholding the very system that it's tending to, you know, it's, it's wanting to dismantle, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I, so we really, you know, so speaking in the eye, I really have to start out in prayer to ground myself because I do move quickly. That is in, in terms of a personality trait, I'm like, oh shit, we got to do this. We got to, oh, right. I got to show up. I got to get it done. You know, I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm a good, 
person to call on in, you know, triage because emergency situations, because that's where I really focus, you know? Um, and it means, and so that can be both a strength and a challenge, you know? Um, and the place that I need to, uh, devote more time to is slowing down my pace and really not, um, like if I get up late in the morning and I don't, I, uh, I feel like, oh no, I don't have time for prayer. I gotta, I gotta get busy. I have to be so intentional that, okay, maybe my prayer is not going to be as long, but your ass going to sit down and pray. <laughs> because when I don't, and I'm like, oh, but I just really didn't have time. I'm a hot mess. I'm a hot mess inside. And sometimes I'm a hot mess out, outwardly. Uh, but internally, I'm definitely like, you know, um, I'm not grounded. And uh, I'm not centered. I don't want to say grounded so much as centered. Uh, because, you know, Earth is a spinning rock in the universe. You know, good luck with feeling grounded, you know? <laughs> it's like, I'm, I got to be grounded. I, I learned that from somebody whose uh, Tai Chi teacher told a student that once. It was like, they were like, I can't learn to form unless I'm grounded. And he was like, mm, you live on a spinning rock in the universe. Good luck with that grounded thing. So I'm like, oh, right, center. Center can be you know, that's something that I have more agency over than this idea of feeling stable on a ground that's mm -hmm. always moving, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Did that, did I answer your question? You know, I go off on tangents. I... <laughs> Wonderfully so. Wonderfully <laughs> so. I want to say, you said something that I'm like, I want it to be, I, I want, I want a t-shirt that says my self-care is community care. I think that that is well. You would be the one statement. to make it. You would be the yeah. one to make it. <laughs> it's, it's, there's a possibility that that's going to happen for sure. Right. I really love right. that. My self care is community care. There's something that you said, Amara, um, that I want to go a little bit deeper. Just in terms of folks, I'm wondering, like, if there's folks who are listening, who um, I know there's a lot of people out there who really adore you, but and also look up to you, and there's a lot of. Um, performance makers, dance artists, um, who really look to you um, as a means to sort of help them understand um, how to move forward as well. Um, and so I'm interested, like, you know, what are some of the intentions you set as you design or create your conjure art, right? And whatever that means to you, but like, are there any mm. specific intentions that you oh, find yeah. yourself setting? Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so this definition conjure art, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to say, oh, I created this definition to describe. I gave that term a, um, a definition that I've been evolving over time. It's not stagnant. It's, it's constantly in uh, evolution. Um, I call it a work in progress definition. Um, and uh, and I'm sure others have used it before. So I just want to acknowledge that, that, you know, but 
when I, when I sat down to start to create a definition, I wanted to, um, I wanted to create a definition that would <clears throat> hold me accountable to like what, you know, I'm going to say, oh, I make conjure art and that just means I can do anything I want to do. No, I wanted to give it um, a structure um, so that I stay true to that, right? And part of it is, you know, I, I take uh, conjure work very seriously. I really, you know, one of the things I say is that you know, my work is rooted in, um, I bring up issues of like, you know, in my bio, you know, addressing issues of racism and, you know, the environment and all of that, but I don't do it to create trauma art. I want, you know, my, my goal, <clears throat> excuse me, is to shift the vibration of the issue through the work. So sometimes... I'm addressing an issue in the piece and we never actually mention it. Um, and part of the reason is, you know, especially in this age of, you know, uh, social media and over a, in being over inundated with news, 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 you could learn more about an issue than I could ever bring up in a piece. And, you know, in an art piece or in, in the, you know, the performance work or the performance ritual work. So to focus on the imbalance is actually to, uh, to give it power, to give it, to affirm it, right? So if I'm, you know, I'm talking about, you know, um, you know, child rape and sex trafficking and I'm like, inundating you with images of that, then I am affirming that. And I don't have any desire to do that at all. Um, and also, so, so, before I go on a tangent around that, so whenever I'm doing a work, I'm really, I'm praying on like, what, what do we need to do? Where do we need to do it? And what it, what are we shifting the vibration around in this moment and being really as specific as I can be in that, uh, in that conjure. So for example, for example, um, with house full of black women, uh, which we started in 2015 and happens throughout Oakland. And I was very intentional that this is going to be a work that's about Oakland specifically, not that these issues only happen mm -hmm. in Oakland, but that, you know, the land and the energy and the vibration of what's happening in Oakland is what needed the attention mm -hmm. from this work. And it's where I live. And, you mm -hmm. know, if I can't clean my own house, I can't, you know, I'm not going somewhere else to do a work about somebody else's house or talk about my house somewhere else. And I haven't done the work there. So in 2016, it came to me, we needed to do a procession. Um, and the root of it was around dealing with sex trafficking, um, and where we were called to do it was in downtown Oakland. And the prayer was, 
you know, that the truth come to the light. Mm -hmm. That was the prayer. And so we didn't announce it because we never do. When we do these processions, part of the, and that's one aspect of the performance work is the procession. But this procession, but the procession work, we never announce it. We show up. We know when we're going to do it, but we don't advertise or go on social media like, hey, we're going to be on the streets. No. Um, and we don't, we don't say what we're doing. We're just there. And, um, you know, um, What's we are the intention in, behind that choice. The intention behind that choice is those who encounter it are the ones that need to be to encounter it. Also, mm-hmm. look, here's the reality. If you go to a performance, right. And I say, Oh, we're going to do, or we're going to do this procession. Come, you have already put on all your mask. You have prepared yourself in your mind for an experience, whether that's the experience you have or not, you're like in mode of like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to see something when it happens to you. That's where the vulnerability is. That's where you have a moment where you can make a choice of what is this to either shut down. Some people get really freaked out. People have said all kinds of things out of fear and other people have ended up following us. Some folks have been in the situation where they were in thought or going through something. And then our appearance was an affirmation for them in some way. Um, that doesn't necessarily happen in the same way when you are prepared to have an experience mm-hmm. or you're in your mind, you've prepared yourself in a certain kind of way can make you less available for what just needs to happen. Right. So that's the reason we do that. Um, and in this particular procession, um, yeah, we ended, we had scoped out a route and we ended up for some reason going on this other street and then we came back. Well, what we found out later was that block was one where there had been reports of Um, child sex trafficking happening inside indoors like there was a place that was set up that folks were going to we found this out the other thing that happened and I'm not going to take credit for this but the timing of it was interesting less than a month later was when there was the exposure of the police in Oakland's involvement in sex trafficking Um, and I think it was three Maureen, three police chiefs had to step down within like a matter of weeks because of their knowledge or, and or involvement. And that was our prayer that the truth come to the light. So, you know, I don't take credit for that, but I say that we, we contributed to that vibrational shift, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's, that's an example of at least, you know, our intention with this work is to, you know, you know, that the prayer is activated, how it manifests is not in our hands. You know, we don't say this, this should be like this, but that, right. you know, that we leave it open because, you know, what is possible is far more expansive than 
my imagination or mm -hmm. concept. And I want to always be available to that larger vision as opposed to, you know, have this guideline that then could prohibit this larger possibility. You know, it's really beautiful. It's like from what I'm hearing, like the way that I'm receiving it, I heard so many intentions, like I heard so many different <laughs> beautiful layers of attention. So first I want to acknowledge that I heard and I, and it's really beautiful, like the intention of shifting the vibration um, through the conjure art, like uh, that really resonates to me, just how I see the world. I think uh, all things are energy and all energy has a vibration. Um, and what I hear with that is this really beautiful intention to trust the process which I think is really important in work when we're trying to influence, like you were saying, like in work that we're, when we're, we are trying to influence a shift or a transformation or a change, like you said, like I may not exactly know what it's going to shift into, but I know that I want to be a, a part of that. And I think that's part of like when Maureen and I start talking about transmuting white supremacy, when I'm working with people around it, I'm often telling people like there's this, there's a lot about this that we have to trust the process because the insidiousness of white supremacy and patriarchy means there's a lot that we cannot see, mm -hmm. right? There's a lot that we see, but there's so much more that I think even now during this time, Maureen and I were just talking about how people are feeling. There's a lot of people experiencing deep fatigue and they can't understand. And I'm often thinking, I'm like, that has a lot to do with the vibrations and the things that we can't see. And there is a shift that's happening around white supremacy and patriarchy. Um, so I just really, I really appreciate it. Like there's a certain amount of when you, when I have found that as I'm getting into this, sometimes I, I will question myself, like, am I actually transmuting something that's always happening? You know, like white supremacy is always happening. So am I actually transmuting it? And then remembering I have to trust the process, right? I have to trust that I do have agency and power within from the I um, to show up without the mask, right? To show up in vulnerability and to do what I need to do. So I just, I really, that's what I heard. Uh, and I really appreciate you sharing that. I also yeah. want to say that you said another t-shirt. I'm just going to start making lists of t-shirts <laughs> that I'm going to make as you talk, like cleaning my own house. Like, I love that. I just want a t-shirt that says cleaning my own house. And I'm still learning how to do that, as you know. Mm. Yeah. I'm, um, yeah. I, I just wanted to share, too. I mean, one of the things I, I heard in what you're sharing is this beautiful transmutation of the ways that white supremacy and patriarchy will have us both give energy to the thing we're trying to dominate. And I really heard you name, we actually don't want to give energy or power to the issue, for example, that we would want, we don't want to give power to that. We want to give power to other places. Um, and then I really loved how you connected the, you know, when I asked you about your self-work, it was so much about a prayer. And so setting a prayer or an intention around bringing the truth to light but with a level of humility that there's so much more expansive possibility outside of what one can imagine really uh, lands on me as just a powerful transmutation of how white supremacy operates in it, how I see social justice spaces where folks think they have the answer and we're going to do this one thing and it's very limiting and rigid. And I really just think that your example illuminates the beauty of having not only faith in the process, 
but faith in community, that different people are showing up in different ways, at different abilities to engage in self-care, at different levels of openness to receive the energy, um, a collective will um, to really, you know, I will give you some credit <laughs> for bringing energy to that block because that OPD scandal was really profound and had a massive ripple effect of how we see um, policing and the reform of policing today. Um, but that's a small piece of it, right? That's like one piece. So I just really appreciate you naming the expansiveness of what's possible outside of um, what one person can imagine. I just think that that beautifully brings, you know, when we think about transmuting white supremacy and patriarchy, we end it with invoking collectivism. And I think your process really illuminates the practice of invoking collectivism, even beyond what someone can conceive. That's just really powerful. Ooh, oh, that, that was beautiful, what you just said, and thank you. I mean, I, um, yeah, and I just want to also say that, like, it's, it is work. Like, I, I want to, I want to uphold the aspects of this work, because the one thing I know, like, I, you know, I practice a, uh, a religion, you know, the, the, um, I, I'm initiated in the Ifa and Lukumi tradition and it's such a beautiful, it's such a beautiful, uh, religion and it's work because the basis of it talks about reciprocity, right? Um, what, what with conjure and with the spirit realm, you know, it, it, it can be very intoxicating, right? Like when we think of, oh, spirit and like, oh, I had an out-of-body experience or, you know, I saw the Orisha come and it was beautiful and it's like, I felt it and, oh, you know, and all of that is really powerful and yes to that in our lives and yes to the work that it takes to even get to that point. So that even when we think about, um, like the work that it took for us to do that procession was a lot. And it was, and it's about uh, sort of submitting to being in the dark, literally around like, this is the intention I put forward and I have to trust the process even when I can't see where it's leading me means that I have to keep tending each step and staying with it, and that is in direct contradiction to the hyper-masculine principle, patriarchy, capitalism, that says, you got to see it, you got to know it before you get there, mm -hmm. you know, That's right. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, so what are your methods, what are your means, who are you going to affect before you even done shit, right? <laughs> Like yeah. everything, everything in our funding world, when we're applying for grants, you know, who's your intended audience? What's the thing? Where's it going to end up? How's it going to start? How's it going to proceed? And how's it going to finish? And you ain't even launched into it, right? It's so white supremacy, illusion of control. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And also mm -hmm. the hyper addiction to the light. Mm. All we do is vilify the darkness, right? We vilify the darkness. The darkness is the feminine principle. The light is the masculine. 
The light is not bad, but it's out of balance. It's yes. out of balance. The light, the masculine principle has been overworked for thousands of years and mm -hmm. it has been what has fucked us up. Like, let's be clear. Where were you born from? The womb. The womb is a dark space. Hmm. The womb is complete darkness. And you are, you know, born from that. You evolve and come into being from that. That should be continuing even once we get out. There's supposed to be place for our evolution and our continued evolvement that requires darkness. Hmm. It requires darkness. You know, it's like, don't ask me to be innovative and then say, okay, so how are you going to get there? Well, if I'm being innovative, then I'm charting territory. I don't know. So obviously I can't answer that question. Hello. What the fuck? I mean, and this is like, you know, yeah. the reason I believe we deal, my belief, you know, personal, personal belief, not based in any science, but I feel like the reason that we deal with so much instability that's spiritual, mental, and emotional is because we're being like, we're being told these contradictions that are at, you know, like life is a contradiction. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know there's always multiple things happening, but this way that socially it's like be innovative, but know where you're going. <laughs> and there's no space for you not to know, because if you don't know you're failing. And so then That's we're right. all lying. So we're, we all tell a bunch of lies. Oh, well, I know, I know how I'm going to get there. It's like, uh, well, if you already know how you're going to get there, then it's not innovative. And, I think that word is overused anyway, but just mm. like, how are you supposed to be in the act of new creation if you can't be in the unknown, right? Mm. So that kind of thing screws you up. Likewise, like death is wrong and then there's no process for grieving. What the fuck? What are you supposed to do with that in a, in a, in a society, right? So these kinds of things don't allow for darkness, mm. right? Like, you know, we need darkness. It's where you incubate. It's where you heal. It's, you know, it's why at night you're supposed to sleep in the dark so your body can heal from all the activity of the day. And yet, mm -hmm. you know, we're all suffering from too much light. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. You have me thinking about... Um, again, like this idea of like Maureen and I really enjoy thinking about transmuting white supremacy within a gardening theme and frame. And so, you know, as soon as you said the thing about, you know, light versus dark and the imbalance, right? Not to say that light is better than dark or dark is better than light, but that there needs to be a balance, right? And we're lacking that balance. Um, I often think about, and I hear you saying this, it shows up in your work of like, you know, the process of transmuting really means it's about the cultivation of either a new seed or a new idea that has to happen 
in the dark, right? Let's see, it goes down into the earth and you, we can't see what's happening, but it's all the things, you know, it's getting what it needs. And if it gets what it needs, you see the seedling, right? And that, 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 that seedling produces, the seed produces the new growth. And there's, um, I think that we, there's a lot of retraining, retraining and reframing of um, our brains and our thought processes that we have to do to think about it in terms of, oh, um there is an impact for me running from the eye running from myself um and not slowing down not slowing down and being still because i think of the dark and that space of the womb and that space of nutrients and like stillness being where we find those innovative ways right mm -hmm. that we find and um either, you know, to get really mystical for some people out there, like we connect to a certain vibration that is about helping us see, here's a different possibility that you've never seen, right? And I, I really, I just, I like the idea of being intentional about that um, because I, you know, it is in contradiction to white supremacy and patriarchy is constantly gonna move us away from the idea that we have body integrity, that we have autonomy, that we have the ability to actually um, shift things on the real, right? To create things that are not already created. And when we, the, the busier the construct of white supremacy and patriarchy can keep us running around busy, 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 you know, in all these different social media channels, um, watching all this Netflix, and I'm not judging, I do it, I don't do the social media, <laughs> but I do do the Netflix. Um, and I had to catch myself, right? My way of transmuting is just making note, like what you started with Amara at the very beginning of like starting from the eye, just being really intentional about um, thoughtful about what am I doing? How am I moving? How am I stepping forward? Um, and I think the important thing is, is like, and I wonder if you could talk a little bit about this for you. What I often tell folks is it's really important to be introspective, but not get stuck in rumination. And one of the ways around that is, you know, a lot of grace and compassion for the self as we're moving through that introspection, right? And then, and, and checking, our, not checking ourselves, but checking in with ourselves about what's my intention here and am I in integrity um, with this intention and thinking about, you know, starting from the eye, but also thinking about the folks I'm in community with, right? So specifically for you, Mar, I'm curious of like, what some of your thoughts about that relationship or the intent, the intersectional integrity when you're doing community work for community, say folks who are, who are being sex trafficked, um, you know, where, what, what for you, what does it mean to be in intersectional integrity when doing that work with a community, um, that is so targeted, right. And that is so, um, silenced and, and made invisible. Yeah. Well, you know, the first thing that I do is that I am not, you know, like I disrupt, I, I, I work to disrupt the relationship of what that work looks like, which is that I don't come into something and I'm like, I'm, you know, here, I'm giving you this. I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, doing uh, outreach, <laughs> you know, and I don't have like what 
I value the energy that I can bring to something in support of those that are, that actually, you know, are survivors, uh, you know, of that experience, those who are surviving, those who are doing, who've been doing the abolition work and that's their, like their calling is to do that work. I am called to support that work. So I come in, you know, I see, I'm a collaborator by nature, you know, um, even as an artist that, um, you know, though I, I'm always the reluctant, you know, I'm reluctant to be in any leadership roles. I, 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 I take that on where, you know, um, that is, you know, um, asked of me to do that, but it's not, but where I thrive is like, how can I support the vision or how, you know, am I working with people to, um, to cultivate my own creativity and, uh, uh, inspirations that can be of service. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so even, you know, specifically in that work, I have, you know, I've been, I have been in service you know, the artwork, the, the, the conjure artwork, the, the ritual performance work that addresses these issues have, has been in service of those who are, um, doing the, who are on the ground daily doing the sex trafficking abolitionist work. I am not that person, you know, um, mm. I am learning, you know, I'm learning more and I, you know, the more I learn, the more I, the deep, the more deeply I feel committed to this work over the long term. And I will always see myself as, you know, you know, how I am in service of dismantling rape culture in our society, because so that's how, that's how I see it just in general, like to answer your question is that, um, I don't, you know, uh, what happens often is, you know, and especially for art artists and doing social justice art, you know, is that there's this tendency of like, okay, I'm going to go work with this community. Number one, I don't do work with any community outside of my own that I have not been invited into. If that community, mm -hmm. and this is a principle that I didn't make up. It's a principle I learned as a, a member of the Urban Bush Women Dance Company that I used to work with in New York, who has been doing community engaged art making, um, dance making, you know, for a very long time. And one of the core tenets to the community engagement work that the company did that I learned being a member is that you know, lesson number one, you don't, you don't go and do community engagement work with a community that didn't invite you to, to be there. You don't get to, because that's white supremacy. That's, that's right. colonialism. Oh, you know, I'm going to come in and save you. I'm going to give in, come in and give you something you don't have. No, we need to be in a sharing. I might have something that will be beneficial, but you also have something for me. It goes both ways. And if it's not going both ways, you shouldn't be there. If you think you're giving a handout or you're there to just extract, like, mm -hmm. and that's part of self-inventory. 
Why am I here? Why do I want to do this work? Why do I want to do this work? And why, and, and what, and why, and who, what makes me the person to do that work, right? You know, cause those are questions that sometimes we don't ask. We get moved, oh, you know, I wanna go in the prisons and I wanna work with prisoners, right? Okay, what is your intention? Like, do you wanna shift the vibration of incarceration? Cause if that's not number one, don't go. That's right. Don't go, cause that's extractive, yes. It might be great. You might have something great to offer them. But like, you know, to me, it's like if the condition isn't going to change and you're going to leave with a big old grant or a big old dance piece or a big old performance piece that was like, and we did a piece about our experience in the prisons and their condition ain't different, then that's extractive. Period. End of story. Period. End of story. You know, and then you move on to the next project. Nah, I'm not down with it. And, you know, whatever, if that's what. That's a really great example of like what it what what it what it means to be out of integrity. That's right. Like um, Maureen, you and I always talk about, well, what how do people know when you're out of integrity? And I think that's a beautiful (laughs) example of being out of integrity. If you're creating a piece. That about the prisons and then you bounce and like. The prisons are still fucked up and you're out here getting more grants because you got this video running around on social media about your prison video. Yeah, I mean, it really, I just say, be really clear what it is that you're doing mm-hmm. and, and, and ask yourself, you know, am, why, if I'm the, you know, if I'm the one to do it, if I feel really strongly, why do I? Because this is actually let, you know, it gives us an opportunity to see where our egos might be driving the show. Look, we all have an ego. We all have one. And, you know, the ego is like our teacher, if, you know, but should not be our leader. (laughs) And there's a difference. That's another t-shirt. I'm like, their (laughs) t-shirt. You know, it's like, it's, it's, it's the difference, you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, like this is, I feel the important piece. I want to go back to something you were saying around, like, you know, it's a constant tending. Like if we're going to dismantle white supremacy, we, you know, we have to, I, I believe, you know, or I'll, uh, maybe I'll speak from the eye in this moment. I know that for me to dismantle white supremacy within me, that I have to, um, I have to uh, be tending my own soil, you know, like I have to like see where is it, you know, where are my weaknesses, be taking self inventory constantly see where I'm rushing to conclusions, see where, um, you know, and also where my wounds are acting out, right? Because, uh, you know, I can get very triggered and um, I got to I gotta just be mindful about what my responses are and, you know, and where are my responses a result of untended wounds? And I think absolutely anybody who 
all of us who are doing the work of, you know, healing from white supremacy and patriarchy, we better be doing our grief work all the damn time, Mm. all the time. And that's everybody. White folks need to be doing their grief work around how white supremacy messed them up. You know, people of color need to be doing their grief work around, you know, like generational trauma and the continuing trauma and harm that racism does and oppression does to us. Like we're all wounded by this and we need to be doing that grief work because untended wounds, untended grief is going to find its outlet. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, you know, when we lash out or when we're overly judgmental or when somebody triggers us and we want to cancel them and, and, you know, and then like go into cancel culture, yeah. you know, um, yeah, there's always going to be some people who it's like, okay, you, I can't deal with, right? Maybe. I just, you know, maybe I'm not evolved enough to see the good in you. And let me, let me own that, that I have my limitations, but that's very different than cancel culture where it's like pointing the finger and it's punitive. That's white supremacy still at work. That's patriarchy still at work. So where do we find, you know, we have to, and we have to like, again, reach I feel for myself, I want to always reach beyond, I want to be open beyond my limited imagination. So I don't know what a world looks like without patriarchy and white supremacy. And what I also know is that when those systems go down, there are aspects of those systems that I have relied upon that I'm going to lose. And I need to be ready to let those go and grieve that loss. Cause I have learned, you know, I, I actually, something came to me the other day. I'm not, and, and don't, I wouldn't quote me on this. So this, I may change my mind on this, but like, you know, I think a you're lot allowed, of, <laughs> you're allowed so much flexibility and I have, a okay. huge room to shift on this podcast. This is about evolution. Yeah, and yeah it is. <laughs> so at this moment I am contemplating. So I've been thinking a lot about Audre Lorde's, you know, quote that we use, you know, that gets used a lot. The master's uh, tools cannot be used to dismantle the master's house. And, you know, for a while, I, you know, I was saying, you know, yeah, well, you know, we live in the master's house. And then I was like, oh, shit, we are the master's house. I am a fucking brick in the master's house. I'm one of the pillars. So, like, I have to understand that I'm going to be dislodged, you know, like to dislodge, like the power of that is like, oh, if we actually you know, take ourselves apart, the master's house, you know, like the, the structure will fall and, you know, I might get hurt in the process. I might, you know, like I won't, my identity will change because I will no longer be a part of a system. I will be a board. I'll be a a stick. I'll be a sink or, you know, like, And so I will lose an identity. I will lose many identities that I might hold dear because 
you know, so who will I become? You know, and so I've been thinking like, oh, if I think of myself, you know, as that, then, then I actually, I mean, it can be like, ah, shit, I don't want to be no master's house, but like that feels like it gives me agency and gives me another way of sort of thinking strategically about how I dislodge, you know, you know, my beam (laughs) that's holding, that's part of this structure and roll out back into the field in the grass and decompose and become a tree or whatever, you know? (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah. And I also, and then the last thing I'll just say is like, it's also made me think about, you know, I keep trying to think about being intentional about language and, you know, like cultivating a world or being a part of the cultivation of a a world that's holistic and healthy and well um, is a continuous act. And it's different than saying, oh, we're building a movement. No, I'm not building anything that's going to be stagnant. I'm, I rather cultivate because that means that there's always room for renewal and retending and regrowing and decomposing and regrowing as opposed to creating these structures that then we have to unlearn because we've moved beyond them. I really love how what you were just sharing around the loss, being willing to accept the loss of identities for me brought me back to what you were sharing about the importance of dark spaces. Cause I heard, what I took away from what you were saying was there's power and innovation uh, or infinite possibilities that can come from letting parts of us die. Uh, right. And when I think about the cultivation, that's, that's how it works in the garden, right? The different elements of the garden die, we compost, right. And new, new identities or new plants or new life uh, emerges. And so I think it really just shows, um, not that I'm surprised, but I just want to name it and speak it into the space. Like it really just shows me how committed to being an intersectional integrity you are as a human being um, that, um, you know, really, I'll just share really vulnerably. I'm, 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 having a little bit of grief because I'm aware that I had an assumption about what you would share today. I wasn't even aware of that. And I was realizing that I had an assumption that you were going to, and you did, but you did it in a way that was very different than what I imagined. So it actually just proves the point of like, set an intention, don't have a specific thing. But my assumption was that, that you were going to share what it would look like for others to show up in intersectional integrity. And what you really did beautifully was just show what it looks like for you to be in intersectional integrity. Um, and I'm just really moved and touched by it and also aware again how white supremacy and patriarchy shaped an assumption. And so for me, it's just another learning of how important it is to do exactly what you said, which is to set intentions and remember there's infinite possibility beyond what any one person uh, can imagine. But I'm navigating a little bit of grief in that because I'm like, ugh, I'm so glad I actually just sat back and listened because that could have gone very differently. I felt myself like, wanting to ask questions around an assumption I had, and that would have, may have stifled you, right? And I would have lost this brilliant opportunity to learn from you just being so willing to stand in the eye and show what the work is, not tell what the work is. So I'm just really sitting in gratitude. Well, well, thank you for um, 
Yeah, thank you for saying that. And I and I think that, you know, I, I don't know that it would have unsettled me. I think I would have come back to the eye because, like, again, I I feel that, you know, that's for me, I can only speak from that place. I don't I don't know how to tell other people how to do something that I'm still learning. I always hope that just speaking from my own personal experience that someone can, you know, find where they resonate with that and also choose where they don't, as opposed to me talking about how this is my method for the world. Um, This is my intention to participate in the world as best as I can. And that also may resonate with other, you know, someone else or somebody's else, you know, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a wild thing. And I, yeah, yeah. I don't know where I was going with that. So I'll leave that right there, but thank you for saying that. Yeah. Thank you for being yeah, here. Yeah. I, I think, thank you, Maureen, for bringing that up. And I want to say like, you know, it's always a pleasure just, you know, I'm lucky. I get to talk to you more all the time, but it's um, always a pleasure to have a very, uh, we talk about this stuff. This is what we do, right? Well, you know, to be a general, to make a generalization about the identity of black women is what we do, right? We sit around the table and we just shoot the shit and we have these really intense, beautiful uh, conversations. Um, so, but I do appreciate you being willing to um, share that on, you know, on our podcast. And like our intention really is that folks can listen to this and um, add it to, you know, add what they're hearing to their own process of cultivation um, around this idea of transmuting white supremacy. Like for me, my hope really is that folks uh, who are listening to this want to transmute. And I know like something you mentioned, Amara, is it's tough. It's where it is work. It's a lot of intentional baby steps all the time. Um, and so I'm often, you know, reminding myself that, yes, I want to do this. So it means holding a lot of um, grace and compassion for myself. Right. And that understanding that if I want to if I want to take my brick and shift my brick in the house of the masters in the master's house, it means I'm going to I'm likely going to do some harm to others and to myself. And where's the grace and compassion and the accountability and the amends that I may, might need to make? in that work and keep moving forward but i so i say all that to say thank you for offering hopefully um not just myself but someone out there who's listening um a potential roadmap right to sort of think about things that are coming up for them when they're creating their art or thinking about engaging in a community um or you know moving uh with other people what does it mean to really with integrity and um, trust in the universe, um, move from the I, that if I move from the, you know, moving from the I allows me to show up in the we in a way that can create reciprocity, right? Mm -hmm. That can create space for, for, for actual innovation. And I, I, that, I really loved how you, <laughs> you were talking about innovation and grantors. That's going to probably be an episode. We're probably going to need to get a grant, a, a, a foundation person on here. Let's have a Lord. conversation. But, uh, but Can just I really say... like, you know, it's, yes, oh, no, go for ahead. Sure. no, no, go ahead. I'm just going to say, thank yeah. you. Just like, uh... there's so much, like, I, I know that I'm going to be able to listen to this again and that you just drop so much 
um, mm. fertilizer on the path of cultivating, um, you know, what it means to transmute white supremacy and patriarchy on the daily. Well, I just wanted to say, like, because something you said, Deidre, just reminded me, and and it goes back to um, just in terms of, I think in the beginning I was talking about, you know, um, right, my self-work is the community work. I think that that piece is so critical. The work on, the work that we really do around identifying how white supremacy is showing up in ourselves and like in, you know, that is so crucial because again, it's like, yeah, 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 the self, but what is it, what's it going to do in the world? If we don't trust that, you know, like that saying, be the change you want to see, if we are not being that change, we will not see it. We will not see it. It doesn't matter how many protests we go to, how much work we do out there. If we are not doing that work, it really won't change. And I feel like that is the thing, you know, Mm -hmm. if there's, you know, like, what is the to do, you know, that I would suggest or, you know, um, impart for anyone who's listening is like commit to that deep self-work. I'm not talking about go to the spa. That's all great. But like the real contemplation of like, where am I like, you know, carrying forward some legacies that are in me. Like I need to ask constantly because, and, and listen, because there may be some ways I'm doing it. I don't even see, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, my great grandfather was a slave master. Yeah, I'm not that. But what characteristics that are not as overt might I be perpetuating forward? That means like doing that self, like really committing. And that's the mundane Mm. that I was talking about in terms of my spiritual practice. The there's the like, yeah, you know, when the Orisha come. There's the, yeah, when we pass a bill that we've been working on, but there's, that's that one thing. Like if everything else around it is still staying in the dis-ease, then it's not going to be as effective or, and if we can't recognize the small victories as being the step forward without, you know, continuing to be frustrated by what's not changing. It's like, we got to, Deidre, you said this earlier, like there's all this stuff that's shifting that we don't even see yet. Hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff that's coming to the light, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Which is the root of the word apocalypse, by the way, the truth revealed, right? So there's, we are in the apocalypse. Give thanks, Hmm. The thing we've always been taught to be afraid of is the very thing we need to propel us forward, right? So the point being is like the the self-work is the communal work. Mm -hmm. Perfectly said. Thank you. If there is a perfect Tasi, even with me, like that's the constant. There is no, that's the way supremacy in me looking for perfection. So I will actually say thank you. Uh, That resonates. What you said resonates with me. I hope it resonates with others. We want to take a moment and acknowledge the tools used in this podcast 
are from a course that we have co-created called Cultivating Intersectional Leadership. We believe the path of cultivating intersectional leadership is a transformative journey that supports individuals and organizations in making the deeply systemic, strategic, intuitive, innovative, and necessary shifts away from old ways of being that no longer serve us, our organizations, or our communities. For more information about the course, visit cultivatingintersectionalleadership.com. We want to thank our brilliant and kind producer, Aaron Rand Freeman. And don't forget, if you'd like to support us, we do appreciate it. You can find us on Patreon, Eyes on Whiteness, and you can rate and leave a review anywhere you're listening to the podcast.